You're listening to Three Kitchens, a member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown community supported. Join your host, Aaron Walker, Sarah Soma Syndrome, and Heather Dyer. What's on today's menu? With PodPower, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a PodPower shout out to CJSR Presents High Level Hip Hop. It's a deep dive into Edmonton's hip hop scene and the artists helping shape it. The show takes a unique approach to introducing listeners to the OG and young bloods of Edmonton's hip-hop scene. The show is aimed at those who love local music but might not have had a chance to fall in love with the city's surprisingly diverse hip-hop scene. Each episode features an interview with a local artist plus a fresh track they recorded at CJSR. Check out episodes with Arlo Maverick, Please Be Nice, and more throughout the season. High Level Hip Hop is produced by CJSR, Edmonton's campus and community radio station. Download it wherever you find podcasts and at highlevelhiphop.transistor.fm. Welcome to Three Kitchens. I am Heather. I'm here with Aaron and Sarah. Good morning, co-hosts and friends. Good, Good morning. morning. It is morning. <sighs> we, us- we usually do this in the morning. Hopefully we're awake enough. I feel yes. a little borderline <laughs> right now. <so laughs> I think I'm awake. I have something I want to share with you. I did some research. Mm-hmm. Put on my nerd glasses. Actually, they're always on. So I was going to say, those are just your regular glasses. <laughs> also <laughs> known as every day for me. Uh, so I came across an article about people trying to grow saffron crocuses outside mm-hmm. of Iran, mm-hmm. because most of the saffron that we get comes from Iran. Mm-hmm. So I've got two stories. One is a happy story with a happy ending. One is a not so happy story. <laughs> Which one are we going to start with? We're going to start with the downer. All right. Okay. So there is a family business that was run in Abbotsford, BC in Canada here, and they were growing crocus down in lower mainland. Well, Abbotsford is just further inland from Vancouver. I don't think it's too far from Vancouver. So Southern no. BC. So we can call that the yeah. lower mainland, Southern BC. Yeah, okay. I think that's, let's just go with that. Let's, okay, yeah. we're going to call it that. <laughs> Clearly my research wasn't that good. Jeez. <laughs> Somebody shame me for that. Okay. <laughs> So for the last five years, they've been planting saffron crocus bulbs and doing quite well with it. And they had, I think it was like 250,000 bulbs or something. It was a huge, Mm. they were really starting to come into it. And so it was really interesting that they could grow it there. The saffron crocus bulbs are different than other typical crocuses. Mostly they grow in the spring. They bloom really quick and then they die off and then they're just kind of a plant that's part of the grass. Uh, The saffron crocus is different. It blooms in the fall. It's very different than other crocus plants. And you have to pick the saffron threads, which are the stigmas of the flower okay (laughs) (laughs) she's so happy she's so excited because we talked about this once before and we couldn't remember the name of the the piece of the flower yes i was super excited to now finally (laughs) share that wisdom with you (laughs) so these flowers once they bloom the day they bloom you have got to pick the saffron and dry it that day Mm. oh wow it's apparently the process. Uh, Each flower makes three stigmas. 
that you get to pick. Wow, that's really intensive work there. When it happens, you have to be on top of it. Uh And I think they bloom for about three to four weeks. Like all the, they, that's their sort of time period. Right. So once it starts blooming, mm. it'll, they'll bloom for about three to four weeks and, and every day you got to be out there checking them. Right. And so every bulb can produce up to about 10 flowers. Okay. Oh. So it just grows and then what dies off? Like you pick it, it dies and then it blooms again. If you think about any other flowers, it'll have a bunch of buds on it. And as they open up and bloom, you pick it. Right. And as it op- the next one opens, you pick it. And so it's about a three to four week period. I was picturing like a tulip grows from a bulb. You only get one flower and then it's gone. Yeah, no, it's you actually get a few flowers out of every bulb. It says up to 10. So I think that's at like maximum best. Right. Mm -hmm. Maybe not every single bulb you plant gets 10. They decided to experiment with this because of changes in climate, allowing them to plant different crops. And apparently a lot of farmers in the lower mainland have been switching up their crops because the climate has been changing and the market's changing. They're not getting as much for their blueberries or whatever they're growing. So they're trying up new things. Okay. This article was posted at the beginning of November about the Ramsar Berry Farm that was Mm -hmm. doing this. And then three weeks later. Oh, no. This is the sad part. This is the sad part, guys. Hold on for it. (laughs) The flooding that happened Mm -hmm. in um, Western Canada absolutely destroyed everything on their farm right so they need to buy all new bulbs everything is just completely underwater totally dead so i don't think this farmer is going to continue with this oh that's too Hmm. bad which is really sad they even had a thing with a restaurant in vancouver who was they only cooked with local ingredients and now they were getting local saffron and they were incorporating it into their dishes and they were really excited about it and now womp womp so is there no one else at the moment doing that in that area no so the journalist said that they contacted the ministry of agriculture and all that stuff it was the Mm -hmm. only farm that was producing uh saffron in canada in bc there might be a couple more in canada but Mm -hmm. only one in bc the next story about the saffron that i have is not local but something that i think could be maybe developed locally Mm -hmm. rooftop farming of saffron crocus flowers in Mm. paris Mm. there are four sisters because france has grown saffron in the past and their climate is good for it but I guess with industrialized farming taking over most of their agriculture you can't grow crocus in a big scale way because it's so labor intensive and so they decided what if we set up farms on rooftops so they started out with two but I think they're up to five rooftops around the city where they grow saffron flowers I think they planted 60,000 bulbs so a whole bunch and they have all these like bags of soil like large bags of soil that kind of seem like sectioned off to be like square foot gardening raised bed bags okay um, that they plant so apparently the saffron crocus needs fairly dry soil well draining soil and they don't need to have any irrigation on it so they can grow them in these bags on these rooftops and they've got this whole thing going. Hmm. That's cool. I'm going to do a terrible job of pronouncing this company that does this in Paris. <laughs> Let's hear it. But we'll link to it in our show notes. It's called Bien Elevés. Hmm. So non, non-gardener question here. If you use, if you 
if these plants grow from bulbs mm -hmm. and once they bloom, do you then have to replant a different bulb? No. no. Okay. They just go somewhat dormant. They only flower once a year. They go through their plant cycle of growing their leaves and then they bloom <laughs> again in the fall, which right. again is unique because most crocus flowers bloom in the spring. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And I think that's a really smart way of doing a rooftop garden. They don't need as much time and care and attention during their vegetative growth stage. And you just have to be up there and on it once it flowers. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, four to five weeks of intensive harvest and stuff. Right. Yeah. You're done. So I feel like where else could you get away with doing that? on a rooftop. I think it's a really smart thing. Calgary's pretty dry. I wonder if it would work here. I wonder how it would do here, but if it's growing in BC, maybe, who knows? I think it depends on when yeah. we get that frost. Mm -hmm. Maybe in a greenhouse. Hey, yeah. maybe. Now, speaking of greenhouses, mm -hmm. <laughs> I recently had the opportunity to chat with a local farmer, greenhouse, vegetable producer, market store owner, entrepreneur, um, crazy busy business person. And mom. And mom. <laughs> I know. Like, just could she fit anything more in her day? No. I don't think not. so. Her name is Dawn Busher and she owns and operates Shirley's Greenhouse, as well as the Simons Valley Market Store, the Olds Uptown Market. So she grows produce here in Alberta and she sells it direct to customers at farmers markets and these market stores that she runs. Yeah, so I had an opportunity to ask her some questions about her business and, you know, kinds of things that she recommends to people in terms of shopping at farmers markets and that kind of stuff. Yeah, fun. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, let's let our listeners hear that and then come back. Yeah, stay tuned because we're going to be back after this the interview. We'll come back and we'll talk about a salad yes. that I made. Speak Yes. produce mm -hmm. um, yeah so stick around for that okay great in alberta you get to choose who to buy your internet electricity and natural gas from park power has low overhead which in turn allows them to offer low competitive rates reach out for a no obligation comparison by emailing estimates at parkpower.ca if you decide to switch it's easy it's really just a change to your billing and you can feel good knowing you are helping to give back to our communities with your utility bills Learn more at parkpower.ca. So hi, Dawn. Hi. Um, how about you introduce yourself? Because I think last time I even missed one of your businesses in my description. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. So hi, my name is Dawn Bushert. I own Shirley's Greenhouse. I'm a farmer. And I also own Olds Uptown Market and Simons Valley Ranch Market Store. And I do run a little side market called Westside Farmers Market in Calgary. Oh, wow. I didn't know. See, there were four. So okay. Tenacious is my middle name. And Busy. Yes, I'm insane. And, and let, yeah, let's just say you're not only running like four businesses, you are a, a parent to three girls, teenagers. I, yes. And yes. That, that's enough for anybody. So oh, and they're busy too, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's not forget that our lives yeah. are more than just our business, right? For sure. Yeah. So, okay. So your greenhouse, I was there a few years ago for one of those open farm day events. Um, it's quite impressive to me and not having Thank been you. to like a large commercial sort of greenhouse. I don't know in terms of 
greenhouses if you call, consider yourself large, but to me, no. it, it seemed quite large. So tell us what is the scale of it and what do you grow there? So my greenhouse is 36,000 square feet. So just shy of one acre, but actually for our greenhouse industry here in Alberta, that is very tiny. And so, um, yeah, so I'm just shy of one acre of greenhouse in my greenhouse. I grow cucumbers, tomatoes, and peppers. Um, I do grow some greens and sometimes some beans and, you know, just from fun stuff as well. And then I also do in the summer, 20 acres of field crop. So 20 acres of vegetables. So can you picture your backyard garden and then times that by 20 acres? That's, that's what we do. So yeah, people like always say, People always say they want a job working on the farm. And then I say, cause they like gardening. I, oh, I want a job and work with, work with you on the farm. Cause I like gardening. And I'm like, no, this is gardening on steroids. Like yeah, it's, exactly. it's crazy. Yeah. My mom always had a huge garden. I mean, we were on a farm too and we had, we had a huge garden, yeah. but it, I thought it was huge. It was, that's nothing compared to what <laughs> <laughs> like, that was when, like a little hobby for her, you know, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Exactly. But back at, back in the day, our moms, I, I mean, my mom had a big garden too. That's how, that's how my parents fed us. Right. And so, yeah. you know, always picking weeds and picking, I ha, I got paid 25 cents per five gallon pail of weeds that I got picked, you know? Oh, so, wow. yeah. How do you keep on top of weeds or do you? So, oh, we have, weeds are a huge problem in my, in my garden. Um, and so what we do, I do grow in a later layer of uh, plastic. And so I put a layer of plastic down and then I put my transplants in there. So that takes care of most of the weeds. So we're weeding a little hole rather than the whole bed. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, in a bed of carrots or a bed of lettuce, um, then we weed that fully, but we put our rows fairly close together and then we're not weeding the entire thing. And we don't actually do a whole lot of rototilling in between our beds. Um, what we actually do is we take the lawnmower to it sometimes. And so we mow in between the beds. Cause I mean, weeds are green manure, like they're good compost. So we just, if you can catch them before they go to seed, you just put them right back in the soil and you work them in and you know, it just builds that soil. Right. Oh, interesting. I never yeah. thought about using a lawnmower. Yeah, no, we, we use a lawnmower. Okay. So you are a second generation farmer. you you were just talked about how, when you, your mom had a big garden too, your parents actually started the greenhouse business, didn't they? Yes. So I'm a second generation farmer. My mother is Shirley. Um, Ironically enough, I get called Shirley all the time. I'll be walking down a mall and people will be like, Shirley, or they'll say, I know you from somewhere. And I'll say, yep, Shirley's greenhouse. And they're like, oh yeah, hi, Shirley. And so, yeah, I'm a second generation farmer. So my parents had a greenhouse up by Airdrie and they grew long English cucumbers and they um, sold them to the warehouse, the, the warehouse that sells to the grocery stores and they made a great living at it. So 15 years ago, they sold their greenhouse and we built ours and um, we were going to do the same thing, long English cucumbers for wholesale and make a great living. And the problem is, is our mortgage was bigger and the natural gas went up and the labor bills went up. And so our bills were much higher. And the average price of a dozen cucumbers were roughly $7 a dozen when my parents were doing it. And even still in the summertime, they're $7 a dozen today. So you need the volume and we just couldn't get the volume with, you know, just shy of one acre of greenhouse. So that's when we started planting tomatoes and, um, and peppers. And I started going to farmer's markets. And so at a farmer's market, then I can get $24 a dozen for my cucumbers and that helps pay the bills. Mm-hmm. It makes it sound like I've got lots of money, but no, like last year, you know how in farming there's the, the phrase, there's always next year. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I was saying that in about July last year with that drought. So oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. Barely made it through this winter. 
Yeah, you really are a slave to the weather, whatever, you know, yeah. and the markets, what yeah. people are willing to pay. And I mean, you know, we don't need to get sure. into all the all that. For but sure. there's a lot of factors that affect your business and what you're able for to sure. do. For right. sure. Yeah. The part that I love is that it's local food. And so I am a local fo- farmer growing actual like local food, selling to local customers. When we think of our borders and we think of things like that, when COVID hit, I had phone calls of people saying like, you have food, right? Because with the toilet paper wars, they were worried <laughs> about their food. And so I said, yeah, I've got food. And so even still, like I have food. It's pretty important. We need to keep strengthening our local food system and our local direct market food system um, is something that we need to focus on. You know, it's easy to pick stuff up in a grocery store that's local, but um, direct from a small farmer, that's even better. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps the small farms alive. Yeah. And we've talked before about how you like to encourage people to get to know where their food comes from, right? Um, Yeah. And so when you're at a farmer's market too, like it's always good to ask lots of questions. Who grew it? Where did it come from? When was it picked? How was it grown? You know, different things like that. Because not everything that glitters is gold at a farmer's market. And so one of the biggest um, uh, giveaways at a farmer's market is actually stickers. If you see stickers on a bunch of produce, then you kind of got a question. Where did that, where did that produce actually come from? Is it actually local? And so, I mean, not always, it's not a hundred percent guarantee because when my cucumbers, they, they actually have the Shirley's greenhouse wrap on them with a little barcode. And, and so they do look like something that you would buy in a grocery store, but yeah, it, it is generally speaking, those stickers kind of kind of give it away or, or what you do too, is you also do research on that farm. So you, you take that booth or whatever, what, whoever you're buying from, and you do lots of research on them and, um, size of garden size matters. So, um, I know, I know of a produce vendor, um, and they say, Oh, we have a garden, we have a garden. But when you ask them, they, they have two acres of garden and they service like, I don't know, 80 farmers markets in a week. Whereas I have 20 acres of garden and I service like, you know, 15 markets in a week. And so, um, size does matter because, because what happens too, is they'll grow one row of carrots and then they say, Oh, we grew all of these carrots. Well, you know, one row of carrots, it doesn't service 80 markets. Right. So just, so they're getting at it from somewhere else. Hutterites. Yeah. So and I'll admit, I'll admit that I've bought and sold from the Hutterites too. But what I do is I say, these are Hutterite carrots. So then it's the, I always tell my customers, it's my job to tell you the truth and your job to make informed decisions. And so then, yeah, like the customers can choose to either buy or not buy. Right. Mm-hmm. In the winter time, I buy in cucumbers, tomatoes, and peppers from Lacombe because my greenhouse is shut down because I don't have the grow lights. And so, yeah, I tell my customers exactly who grew it, where it came from, when it was picked, how it was grown. And then the customers can make their informed decisions. And I do lose customers over the winter and that's okay. And then, but they always come back in the summer because they trust me. Right. Yeah. It's a relationship. I view my farm as more of a relationship. It's a team without my customers. I don't have a farm and without my farm, they don't have food. So it's a real team. It's teamwork. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And yeah. your farm is located east of Didsbury. Is that right? East of Didsbury. Yep. Yeah. Didsbury. So central Alberta for anyone not quite familiar with what we're talking about here. Thank and you. You're in markets in Calgary. I get around. So, <laughs> one of my three jokes that I have. Um, so I do farmer's markets. Um, 
all through Calgary. I do, I've got Olds Uptown Market in Olds. Um, this year, some of my products will be in Red Deer. Um, so I do Bears Paw Market, Hillhurst Market, Westside Farmers Market in Calgary. Um, there's a whole bunch of other ones too. Um, and I've got a little announcement to make. Um, I, if you're familiar with the Calgary Farmers Market in Calgary, it's one of the bigger ones. I've never been able to get into there for, you know, there's lots of politics in farmers markets. And so I've never been able to get into that farmers market, but thankfully fellow farmers, um, great farmers um, called Innisfil Growers, they've invited me to be part of their booth. And so I'm going to be a non-member farm. And so this year I'm going to have my product in the Innisfil Growers booth in Calgary Farmers Market 1, Calgary Farmers Market 2, and Red Deer Gasoline Alley Farmers Market with, with them. So nice. farmers teaming with farmers. It's it's great. I'm thankful. Yeah, it really is a community effort. Yeah. And speaking of that, that's kind of what your Olds Uptown Market is about, which is a store in Olds, Alberta. Yes. Yeah. And so exactly. And so that's the thing. Small businesses kind of need to work with small businesses. And so Olds Uptown Market, I've got several vendors um, and small business vendors that they have their products in my store. And so um, that way we can team up together. So instead of having everyone have their staff representing their product, what I've done is I've provided the space, I've provided the staff, and then we work together as a team that way to, to sell their, get, get their small business products um, into a larger market. Right. So. Right. Really cool. You're like your own mini farmer's market. It is. It's, it's true. It's, it's exactly what it is. And, um, and then that way too, we're be able we're able to be open six days a week right I have yet to visit but I don't get to olds very often I don't really have used to have family in olds but I don't anymore so I have no. to uh, I'm gonna have to make a special trip thank you I appreciate that yeah we just moved to a new location so it's bigger and yeah it's pretty I'm pretty happy with it yay I'm so glad. Yeah. yeah all right and then there's Simons Valley Ranch as well which was a big institution and then there was yes. a fire and now oh. it's like back like it's yes. quite a history yeah it is it does. And so I was a vendor during the fire. So um, Shirley's Greenhouse was a vendor during the fire. And we actually did 40% of our business through that market. And so that year was pretty devastating. Um, and so, yeah, we ended up getting a little market store going. It's it's in a not a very nice building. Um, it's in the basement suite of one of the buildings on site. Um, and so it's not super pretty, but it doesn't have to be pretty. It's just functional. And so we've got our product as well as many of the other. There's still some of the vendors that, that were involved with the fire they've got their products there as well and so it's a it's a smaller version of old uptown market so now this is an interesting time of year for you you don't get much time off but um as you said you don't grow in the greenhouse um and obviously not the garden during the winter but you have i mean you're still selling yes right now you your season has already begun you're you've planted yes. in your greenhouse haven't you yes. already yeah. yeah so i got my plants about two weeks ago we got them in about a foot tall and i'll bet you those tomatoes are probably three feet tall right now oh, so wow. they they are growing like weeds i in the greenhouse so it's I mean, minus 30 outside. Um, and with the sunshine and we, I hate it to plus 20. I mean, I'll trade you natural gas bills. I'll pay you two years of your natural gas. If you pay a month of mine. Um, anyways, with the sunshine, those plants jump and they grow. And so, yeah, I should have cucumbers here within the next couple of weeks for sure. And then tomatoes sometime in March. Wow. So my tomatoes are already flowering. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And it's really cool. If you 
ever have a chance to go um, and see because there's a type of tomato, for example, that grows like up a vine up to the ceiling. It's not like the bushy little plants that I grow on my back deck in a pot. Um, So my tomatoes, my tomatoes are indeterminate varieties. And then we prune them in such a way that we only have one vine growing up the string and they were constantly lowering them. So by the time I'm done with my tomato crop in late November or early December, my plants are sometimes 75 feet long. Yeah. It's really cool to see because that's how you make use of your space. For sure. Yes. And then we lower them and then eventually they're just vines on the floor that still grow up the string. So I mean, then I guess we should throw it in there right now too. So you came during Alberta open farm days, and that is usually when I open my farm to the public. And so, um, yeah, Alberta open farm days is usually in August every year. And so Alberta open farm days is a great opportunity for people that are in cities and towns that maybe don't have access. See, it used to be when, when, even when we were young, um, your grandparent farmed, or you had an uncle that had a farm or somebody had a farm. Whereas now you're so, people are so far removed from the farm that they just don't, the kids nowadays don't really know or see or understand. And so it's a great opportunity to bring kids from cities and towns out to farms and not just my farm, but many farms across the province. And so you can go see a beef farm and you can go see a grain farm and you can go see a, you know, there's all kinds of farms out there that are open on during Alberta open farm days. Mm -hmm. And it's usually in August, I think, right? Mid-August, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. I think it's a great initiative. Great initiative. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's really cool. And I definitely want to get out to more. Oops, sorry. Somebody's got something to say. (laughs) I have three big, there are three dogs on the farm. So I have, I have a mini Australian shepherd. So his his name's Cowboy and he's kind of our, our pet. But then I have two huge, like great Pyrenees and they're out with my sheep. And so that's where they are. Their job is to be out with the sheep and they're pretty shy. If you come into my yard, they're going to bark at you, but they're going to stay away from you. And yeah, their job is to, is to protect my sheep. So you have animal like livestock as well. I do. So I've got right now, um, I'm just trying to get into the sheep. Um, so I have 10 ewes and one ram, um, and then I'll have lambs. Um, and then I've got 299 chickens for eggs. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do your, do your girls help out with them? Um, no, my girls hate the chickens. They love the dogs and they love the sheep, but they hate the chickens. So, um, yeah, my girls help me at farmer's markets actually. So it's pretty fun. We'll go to a farmer's market and they'll talk and they'll chat with customers and yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice too. My youngest daughter, Danielle, she, uh, she keeps saying to me, mom, I want to take over the farm. And she's been saying she's 10. She's been saying it to me for about two years. Mom, I'm going to take over the farm one day. Mom, I'm going to be the boss. Mom, I'm going to do your job. Yeah. So yeah. She's a little entrepreneur. Yeah. Well, we see where she gets it. I mean, yeah, by it honestly, right? There you go. <laughs> I guess <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> well, listen, we all, any of us who have kids, pass on all the traits. <laughs> um, so, what kind of what kind of tips would you have for us for storing our produce once we come and buy it from you? Yeah. Bring it home. Where are we putting it? I have this mental block about tomatoes and the fridge. I always want to put them in the fridge. You tell no. me not to. <laughs> no, no. So, um, tomatoes do not belong in the fridge. Um, it, I think it messes with their flavor and their texture and everything like that. So, tomatoes tomatoes, leave your tomatoes on the counter. If if you're buying my tomatoes, pull them out of the bag, put them on the counter. Don't put them with your bananas because bananas give off ethylene gas, 
which make will make them riper. Um, try and keep them in a cooler place. So don't put them in your self-facing window because they're going to ripen up just real quick. Um, and actually cucumbers and peppers, they need to be in the plastic. My cucumbers and peppers, because they're so fresh, they can be on your counter for a few days or up to a week or whatever. It depends, you know, how they are. Um, or you can put them in the fridge. They, they actually like about 10 degrees. Like if you had a fridge that was running at 10 degrees, not that anyone does, but that's where they would prefer. But do you, do you cook much? Do you even have time to cook much? Um, so no, I, uh, I sacrifice meals at my table to put food on others. And so I don't cook very much, especially in the summer. I'm on the go. I'm, I'm on the road six to seven days a week. I'm putting in, you know, 80, 90 hours a week. Like I, I don't have time to cook. Having said that, I have three little girls who are, um, they're pretty good. And so it's, it's been pretty cool. They're getting old enough now that I come home to homemade meals on my table from, from my children. So oh, that's pretty that's special. Yeah. 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 And you're running low on veggies, just head on yeah. outside and you've got it right there. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so I'll, I'll be honest with you. One of my go-to meals when, when I'm like in a hurry and or tired at the end of a day is I will actually make a salad. So I'll take lettuce and cucumber and tomato and feta cheese and um, flavored olive oil. And then I mix that all together. And that's my supper is, you know, a good salad at the Yum. end of the day. So and yeah, nothing better than fresh like that. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So good. good ingredients make good food. Bad ingredients make bad foods. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So before I let you go, tell us where we can find you online. You have a website. Site. Yeah. So Shirley's greenhouse.com. We'll be updating that, um, coming up here in the next few months to figure out which markets we're at and which markets we're not at. And then, um, let me think. So the main markets is old uptown market, Simon's Valley ranch market store, um, Hillhurst Sunnyside farmers market, bears paw farmers market, uh, West side farmers market, um, a bunch of other smaller ones. And then in the permanent locations of Innisfil growers. And then there's a few other smaller locations, but you'll have to check out online or we'll do home delivery to your home as well. So Shirley's greenhouse.com. Right. Yes. Yeah. I noticed that last year we're recommending, you know, who knows of a delivery Shirley's Aww. greenhouse pop up by a number of people who recommended it. So Aww, I love it. Yeah, Thank you. Word, word gets around. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for talking with me. No yeah. problem. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And thanks so much for supporting my farm. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. We'll see you yeah. at the markets this summer for sure. Sounds good. Thank All you. Right. Take care. Have nice to chat. Yeah, you too. Bye. Oh, that was so cool. I love hearing about greenhouse growing because you guys know that I have a little greenhouse mm -hmm. and my husband's always like, oh, that would be fun to go into business and do. It's, I don't think it'd be as fun. It sounds like a lot of work. Oh yeah, for <laughs> sure. I think it is. Holy yeah, moly. I, I think it's a lot of work. And like yeah. she said there, she really has no downtime. Right? No. It's a full year thing. Yeah. Farming in Alberta is seasonal, except mm -hmm. that you need to keep your business running. Yeah. And it's a short season. Like, I mean, for growing here. Yeah. Yeah. But with the greenhouse, like she it said, really she helps. plants, right. she, she put her first plants in early in February and mm -hmm. she usually pulls them early December, the last of the veggies early December. So she really like it's maybe not that two much months. of a break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's still operating her stores and yeah, you know, yeah. still selling and managing people and, you know, all yeah. the things that go along with that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's so neat though. It's interesting to hear about how you can extend the season 
with that greenhouse and yeah and I thought it was interesting what she said about knowing where your food comes from you know we talked Mm. about this a little bit with chef Dennis Litley who we had on the podcast a couple episodes ago yeah and he said the same thing and he's in Florida and he's not a farmer or producer but he's talking about when you're cooking what are you cooking with and they both said the same thing when you have good ingredients you have good food if you have bad ingredients not such you're a good not food. like it. Right? <laughs> no, you're farmer. Mm-hmm. And the food tastes different, right? I, I keep being reminded of those bell peppers that your husband grew. Oh, Aaron. yeah. I mean, you cannot get flavor like that at the store, at the grocery store. No. Mm-hmm. And I personally, those um, like cherry tomatoes mm. that Don grows yes. in Shirley's greenhouse, yeah. it's like candy. Yeah. When I have the opportunity, I admit I don't go to the farmer's market as often as I would like to. I, I would like to make a better effort because mm-hmm. it really is a huge difference from what you buy in the grocery store. Right. And, yeah. and she sets up in Kensington, right? The Kensington market? The Hillhurst is the closest one to us. Right. Right. And she's going to be at those, the Calgary farmer's market getting in there now with the Innisfail growers. That's Mm -hmm. great. What a Mm -hmm. fantastic opportunity. Yeah. I love how farmers will work together. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like we've come across a few. At the Poplar Bluff Organic Farm. Yeah. And they Mm -hmm. all seem to work together and know Mm -hmm. each other and support each other. And that was pretty cool. And I think that's something that's really important. It's a collaborative effort. You have to work Mm -hmm. together together. Yeah. And we know that with all the variability that we get here in our seasons and year over year, that's a scary thought that your food relies on the climate. I sometimes I don't think we're as in touch with our food as we need to be to understand how delicate the balance is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Dawn even mentioned the droughts last year really impacted her garden. Yes. It was touch and go for sure. Mm. So when we get all this delicious, fresh vegetables, what can we do with them, Heather? Oh, okay. Tell us about your... So yes, I made a salad for you because we've been, we were talking about produce and Mm -hmm. the greenhouse and all that kind of stuff. Yes, I shopped at the grocery store. I'll just say it out there, but this is the kind of recipe, this salad that you could do with stuff you grow in your backyard in a Mm -hmm. pot or from that you get at the farmer's market. Or it could be from winter salad garden down in the basement on our Mm -hmm. light rack we've got spinach and chard going on in trays in the basement fantastic absolutely so this is called the spicy roasted carrot salad with tahini and lentils and i found it on Mm. a website called occasionally eggs Did you know we have a huge lentil production in Alberta too? Mm -hmm. It's one of our biggest, the pulse crops, I think they call them. So Mm -hmm. even the lentils are local. Well, I don't know about the ones I bought, but you can get them locally. That's Mm -hmm. true. (laughs) So let's just make it local. Yeah, you make it as local as you can. I was just trying to pick something that you could change up any which way you want too. Right. Mm-hmm. This is made with roasted carrots. I also threw in a couple beets because yeah. I saw those at the store and I love roasted beets. But I mean, you could do any kind of roasted veggie that you like. Okay. So the carrots and beets are tossed with olive oil, sea salt, black pepper, cayenne pepper, and sumac, Ooh. and then roasted. Okay. That's what gives them a little bit of a kick, right? The cayenne. Yeah. And then, of course, you cook up your lentils. Remember to soak them in advance. And I was thinking that if you didn't have time to soak lentils, something like quinoa or like wild rice, maybe, or Mm. something, 
that would it's be just good. to yeah. give it like a little protein. Yeah, it fills you up. Yeah, kind of makes a meal out of it, right? Even chickpeas would have been great, right? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you cooked your lentils, you roasted your vegetables, then you put those on a bed of greens. We just talked about spinach or microgreens or whatever kind of leafy lettuce, whatever you like. And then the dressing that goes on top is made with olive oil, tahini, balsamic vinegar, Dijon mustard, maple syrup, salt, and garlic. Mm. Ooh. And it makes this super thick, like I just put it in a jar, shook it up. And it was yeah. like, it looked like peanut butter almost. It was like super yeah. thick. Yes. I opened your jar thinking it was peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> and I went to smell it and I'm like, hey, what is this? <laughs> it was yeah. so good. Was we so were playing good. what's in this dressing game as we <laughs> yeah. ate it. My husband picked out the balsamic vinegar. I was yeah. like, ooh, that, you're right. Good yeah, job. <laughs> I think the tahini maybe with the vinegar almost to me was like peanutty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Didn't you think? Yeah. Yeah. Super yummy. And just a bit of Super a different yummy. flavor. And I thought mm -hmm. when my kids had it, they didn't want uh, the lentils. They had avocado. Oh, yum. For that kind of creamy texture with it. I thought you could throw feta on there. Mm -hmm. Strawberries. I don't know. Like you could make this however a you boiled want. egg oh yeah hard boiled mm -hmm. egg would be really good with that we really enjoyed that that was fantastic heather yeah so if you're gonna pack it in your lunch just cool everything first right then you can pack it all together yeah it was yeah. very good and perfect timing because it was a day after super bowl <laughs> eating so much meat and protein that salad was such a oh it was so good yeah and filling was really filling mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i thought the lentils kind of filled you up right mm -hmm. yeah yeah I love lentils so much and I mm. ate a beet I put them separate because I was like I don't know if Sarah's gonna want the beets so I'll just give them to her separately I did I, <laughs> I will eat beets it's okay if you don't that's totally fine life's too short to eat things you don't like yeah exactly I it thought was that a, was fantastic it was good it was really good and that yeah. dressing was good and I loved the mm. heat from mm -hmm. the cayenne pepper that was I always love spice so that was great thanks Heather you're yeah. very welcome. So now when you go, go to the farmer's markets, everyone go and buy your veggies You can make a salad. And it's almost, almost everything you could get locally. Maybe not tahini. I don't know if that's made local. Yeah. And your olive oil is probably not local. That's true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed that little um, interview with Dawn. She's super passionate about yes farming and growing and local. And just like when you're talking about the saffron story, that wouldn't be possible without a market, without people willing yes. to support local business right. and go search it out and, yeah. and bring it home and cook with it. So the most, the more we can support our local businesses, the more creative ideas will come out, right? Like because yeah. there's a market of people who want to buy local, this person said, maybe I can grow saffron here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And maybe it didn't work because of nature. <clears throat> Mother nature can be a bit of a bag sometimes. Yeah. But then you just have to figure out how to do it differently. Like this rooftop thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, genius. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or it'll be something else. Like people are very creative and yeah. we'll, we'll meet the, the people yeah. with something new, right? Like if you're willing to come and support me, I'm going to come up with something that you're going to want. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, and this, this movement to doing more urban agriculture 
I think is really smart because we have a huge population living in urban areas. Uh They say it's going to increase even more over the next 20 years. Obviously, we can't go and have an entire wheat field on top of our roofs or whatever, right? But trying to make little differences in the way that we produce our food makes a huge impact on the environment and on the transportation and food scarcity and, you know, the economy and local jobs. Diversify. The more people there are, the, the more ways we do stuff and the more diverse it is, the better our chances of it going forward into the future. Right. Just like Darwin said. Okay, I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> she had her finger in the gonna, air. I was going to quote Darwin, but then I held back. <sighs> Don't hold back. Don't hold back. <laughs> you already put on okay. your nerd glasses. <clears throat> it's okay. The species that survives is not the biggest or the strongest. Rather, it is the most flexible. Mm. So there you go. Remember that, friends. Let's just once more let people know to look up shirleysgreenhouse.com. Yes. And we'll link to it in our show notes. Yeah. Go support them and all their farm friends. Yeah. Find your local farmer's market and find your local farmer and find out where your food comes from. And now for the fine print. We at Three Kitchens gratefully acknowledge we are telling these stories in the traditional territories of the Treaty 7 Nations in Southern Alberta and the Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3. We honor the rich tradition of oral storytellers on this land who have come before us. You can find pictures and recipe links on Instagram and Facebook at Three Kitchens Podcast. If you like and subscribe on your podcast player, that helps more people find us. Thank you, farmers.